Feeling how you moving? The L E F K O E man in the house with Warren Sharp in here. In the house and uh, wild. This is the first time this season where we didn't get to talk the night before. Sorry, I had a dinner date. Yeah, more important than me. I know. I would have taken it too. It was it was Dwayne Wade. Yeah, only Dwayne. It's weird when Dwayne looks at you and goes, "Hey, Adam," and you're like, "Oh, fuck." Uh, I just literally got in here about 10, 15 minutes ago from the uh, airport. Um, the lines are moving as we record this at 1130 on Thursday. Uh, a few big moves, one that you like as well. I don't know if you want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, well, we'll get, maybe we'll get to it. I don't think we will. Maybe. No, no well, we let's, will. Let's, let's get to it. Let's plan on getting to it because it's worth talking about. One thing that, uh, I definitely want to talk about right off the top is Cleet Blakeman. We had a good run. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking we might have like a gravestone for Cleet Unders. We know. already buried the Eagles season this week, so I didn't want to bury. I, I uh, did Cleet see Lakeman that too. Uh, he was he, ten and zero, and then decided to allow. And I'm going to put it all on him: sixty-seven points. But I'm pretty sure I saw that there was not a single penalty called against the Seahawks in that game. I think there were four penalties called the entire game, which is very uncleat. Which means he totally heard everything. Yeah. Which. I'll be honest, I'm still going right back to the well this week. Did you see which game he's No, calling? I didn't look it up yet. But I just feel like that was a primetime game where he's like, he's see? He's calling Carolina Atlanta. I'm almost positive. Mm. All right, I'm going to get ba- I'll jump back on. I think that was just to scare people away, and I, I want to get back see, on there. See, when, when the waters are muddied, like I want no part of it because I, I don't know what, what, what he's going to do. He might try to just... Increases averages like Bill Belichick at the end of a game where he's like totally crushed this opponent. He'll start calling other plays to screw up his tendencies, right? He'll start, you know, using different personnel oh, so that's that, such a good idea. So, like Cleet, you know, he crushed it with the unders. Right. Maybe he's going to just splash a few overs now to make it look. You know what? I'm not going to do it. Somebody also tweeted, they were like, as soon as Warren said, I got a weird feeling or like he should be investigated, I didn't make the bet. <laughs> and I was like, okay, maybe I should listen to. But Cleet, it was fun, uh, but also screw you for not calling any penalties. I mean, there were so many possible penalties in the game. Anyway, how did you do last week? We haven't got the chance to talk yet. How did you do? Uh, last week wasn't my best week. Okay. No. It no. happens? Oh, yeah, of course it happens, yeah. But this time of the year, as we enter week 14. Well, you, okay, you know what I did last week? And, and this is something that we should, it's worth discussing as like a, a lesson. Yeah. Right? Well, sharp school. Sharp school. Unfortunately, like I'm, I bear the burden of, or, or the brunt of this one. But um, I took three different totals and I tried to play the half, which I thought was most likely to hit. So I took two first halves. And I took one full game and all three of the parts that I took lost. But if I had doubled up, like if I did first half and full game would have gone 500 split them. And if I did the opposite, so on the first half, if I didn't do the first half, I did the full game down the line, I would have gone three and oh. So that's like, I mean, crack message. The first year you started doing the half totals. Okay. So. This, this really is a sharp school nugget nice. that we're going to be sharing because nobody else is talking about this. 
Um, I love that you're a little bit sick, so your voice is so dramatic right now. <laughs> Nobody so, else is talking about this. So, for a little while now, I've been playing first half unders in a lot of these games yeah. because you get like catch up type shit that happens late and you know, you're trying to avoid that trying to avoid that um and so typically i don't play first half overs well the books after doing this for so many years the books have started to adjust so what we're seeing unfortunately in the marketplace is we're seeing like um a total that's set at 50 and the first half is 23 and a half okay because so for a while would it be 50 25 yeah, or, or 24 even? and a half. It would, be, it would be very close to being mm. even. And now they're completely shading the first half unders because they're tired of guys like me and other sharp guys banging them on these first half unders wow. in these games. So, I mean, 23 and a half makes no sense. Like the, the total is 49 and a half, 50, right? So what I've started doing is giving them the big FU. And when they put out a total that's completely shaded like they're doing it with the first half numbers, I'm betting the first half overs. When when I like the over, I'm not just betting the full game, I'm betting the first half. Yeah, so, you're, you're doubling up. You'll go over first half and over. Yeah, game. and the only reason I'm doing that is because they're fucking... Oh, we, it's okay. Yeah, of course you can curse. Okay. You've been doing this for 14 weeks. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know like the types Shit of words. Balls. Okay, yeah. so oh. be, because they're, they're screwing around with the actual numbers so badly... Um, if I like the first half number, I will go over. So, for example, there's a game, we'll talk about it later. It was 47 was the full game, but the first half was 23. Mm. So I'm betting the first half too, right? And screw you guys because you're giving me a good number there. And if the line was 23 and a half, I wouldn't have bet the first half, right? Because it was not a good enough number. But if you're giving me 23 and the total is 47, I'm taking the 23 and the 47. Mm. So, I, I love yeah. that you have a Robin Hood mentality where you're like, screw you, Nottingham Forest. I am going to take your money for the people. Well, it, it just uh, it's frustrating the way that they're adjusting the market, the limits. Uh, yeah, limits I, make sense. They, they used to. And I'm, I'm actually glad that they're starting to come out with first half totals earlier because it was either last year or the year before or the year before that. One of those three years sounds like I don't know what I'm talking about, but is one one of those three years is when they started coming out and they wouldn't post the first half totals until Thursday. Thursday at around like ten or eleven Ooh. each day, each each week they would roll out the first half total. So you'd have full game lines all week, but you wouldn't have the first halves until then. Ooh. And it was so. It was a man rush and frustrating. Yeah, because then you're just like banging the first halves. And a lot of times I'm waiting till I can bet first half in game. This year they started putting the first halves out way earlier, way earlier. But they're doing this ridiculous shading nonsense. And so we're going to try to find any angle possible um, to try to beat them. Do you do self-scouting? Like, do you look and go, you know what? I've missed this team a lot this year. I'm going to stop or I've been all over this team. Do you know which teams you've been all over and which teams you've been missing on so far? Um, yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Um, you know, the other thing that we do with self-scouting is uh, like last year, for, for example, my overs. Let, let's pretend it was like 55%, 57%. I forget the exact percentage. Um, crack was like, dude, you, do you know that like if you had just bet those in the first half, 
you you hit like 75%. Wow. But like the full games just weren't hitting the same as the first halves. And so that's another reason. If you're going to give me better numbers and the first half is playing more true to form, we're going to take advantage of you. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've noticed like Buffalo has been on a nice little surge recently with wins. But... Yeah, the totals. The, the two, totals aren't hitting right now. No, and and uh, you know I was talking about you, again. Again, you have been the only one that I've really heard talking about Dayball in the booth and the the speeding up of the personnel. offense and Bills. They go in there and they've got a few big wins in their belt and they're four and one their last five. But either their defense is holding the other team to preventing the over, or it's just it's just not getting done. Well, so. The game against the Broncos was the first one that I tried to do. That was week 12. And we blamed it on Brandon Allen and the offense. That was when I was sick and I couldn't be on the show. Right. And and Brandon Allen w- was a dumpster fire. I think he averaged like 2.8 yards per attempt or something. It was nonsense. Um, it was also windy that day. And that morning, I didn't love that total. Right. I had already bet it. I thought the wind was going to be X. It turned out it was Y. Mm. I kind of underestimated um, it's weather, it's the wind. You can't really, you know, even two days ahead, it's right. not going to be exactly what you think it's going to be. Um, last week, though, against on Thanksgiving, I mean, that that thing should have been a hammer to the over. I have no clue what Dallas was doing. They were driving all the way down. I think they had four drives inside the 30, and they walked away with three total points. Yeah. I mean, because they missed field goals. There was... That that total and there was fell. four missed field goals in that game. There, there was four missed field goals, a missed extra point, and they turned it over on downs at least one time. They, Jason Garrett, such a such a let it out, let it out. This is a safe space. Let it out about Jason Garrett. The guy is so reactionary. It tells you that he doesn't have a strategy. He doesn't oh, so when understand. He didn't go for plan. fourth down in, in the week before. Then he went for it like every single time. He the got next he week. got he got destroyed obviously for not going for it. Yeah, in, kick of the field in goal, New England. Put him in the betting hall of fame and, for covering plus six. Right, and you were happy, it and you great. built a statue to him. But <laughs> he then goes in this game and just freaking just haphazardly going for it on fourth down to show you like, hey, I got balls, I got balls. But the reality <laughs> is like you know. You're just doing that because the media was critical of you, and that's not. It shows you don't know when to go for fourth downs. Like Man. it shows that you don't understand the process. I want. I want to clip out of. I've got balls. I've got balls. Okay. Um, oh, you know what I didn't do? Fart. I didn't calculate uh, the update of your EDSR last week. How do you think you did? I'm going to pull it I, out right now. I really now. have no idea. I'm nervous. All right, so week 13, I got it right here. Oh, okay. You know who your number one for traditional EDSR and trending EDSR was? Was it the Eagles? Eagles. Yeah. So that was a loss. Rams over Cardinals for traditional, banger. Chiefs over Raiders, banger. Bucks over Jaguars, super banger. That one was great. Oh, yeah. That was a 23 nothing like. So the, those three did really well. All blew out. That was traditional. And h- how could the Eagles be up 28 to 14 and freaking lose in regulation? We've already buried them. Yeah. You shouldn't speak ill of the dead. Uh, trending EDSR, you had Chargers over Broncos. Yeah, um, didn't work out. Nope. Jets over Bengals, we did not use because we saw Andy Dalton. We said, scrub it. Mm-hmm. Chiefs over Raiders, Tampa over Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So from traditional was 3-1. and one. Trending was 2-2. Two and two. And then I would also assume a traditional was three and one against the spread. Uh, and if I do quick math, that means that you are um, 
coach, three and one, two and two, five and three, 30 and nine overall, and uh, 24 and 15 and one against the spread. So, yeah, Eagles, Dolphins, just a menagerie of fuck ups. Uh, your number one mismatch in traditional EDSR this week is going to be. A 1 o'clock game, Minnesota over Detroit. Again, this is factoring in the entire year. We're going to do traditional and then trending. But what are you seeing in Minnesota over Detroit right now in this 1 o'clock matchup? Um, The line currently, by the way, is Minnesota by 13, which explains the traditional EDSR mismatch. Yeah, I mean, it's like typical. You wouldn't want to lay the points just because of this. They probably have a really good shot at winning this game. Um, But... From an ATS perspective, it's it's a lot of points for them to cover. I'm not in love with Minnesota's defense, to be honest with you. You know, yeah, apparently um, after Monday night, I'm, I'm not either. And uh, Detroit, you know, their their offense. The reason the numbers are down is because of their offense. But I actually, I'm not I'm not hating Blau. I mean, I th- I don't know that yeah. he's a downgrade over uh, uh, Driscoll. So oh, I Driscoll's think a running back. It, Blau is Blau was chucking him in college, so he's chucking him here too. I was. I, I'll he's just, got good pocket presence. I'll share. Uh, th- Thanksgiving, I'm watching my family, and and Blau came out the first two plays of the first drive, and they were like ducks. And I was like, guys, this is why the media is so funny. They're looking at his Purdue tape, and his saying is so good. He ain't got nothing. Next play, 75-yard touchdown. I was like, I'm going to shut up now. (laughs) All right, so we won't spend too much time on Minnesota. Second game, though, is the one we were alluding to earlier in the show. The the second biggest EDSR mismatch for the whole Mm -hmm. year is Tennessee over Oakland. Wait, wait, but... You said for the whole year, which is correct, but you, it sounded maybe to the audience like this was like the biggest mismatch oh, no, no, no. of the entire season. Factoring in EDSR for the entire season and not just the last four or five weeks, mm-hmm. Tennessee has the second largest EDSR mismatch of this week mm-hmm. over Oakland. The line currently is minus two. That's where we saw some movement right before the show started, mm-hmm. and this is one that you're spotlighting. You really like Tennessee in this spot. Well, the EDSR model does. I can tell you that it's definitely going to be a square versus sharp game because the sharp guys are going to be buying in on the Oakland Raiders. That is definitely going to be the sharp side of this game. Um, yeah, Tennessee you, coming off of a big win over Indy uh, where there was a number of special teams plays that led to that. Oakland getting shellacked by Kansas City. But really, when you look at it, it's very turnover-based with pick sixes and a pick at the very end of the game. So maybe that's a little inflated. Maybe Tennessee's a little... I could see why the Sharps would get on Oakland there. It's a big game for their season. They're playing back at home. Look up the stats. You and I talked about it before. Derek Carr gets crushed every time he plays in Arrowhead. Mm. It's just a it's just a fact. It's a fact of life. He sucks there, so you might as well just accept it. He's coming back home. They've played two straight road games. They finally get to play a game at home. Um, so if if you like Tennessee, my advice right now, the line's two and a half. I, I think you wait because, honestly, I think that the sharp money is going to come take Oakland Oakland in teasers, et cetera, up through the three and the seven. And uh, and you might get a better number on Tennessee. Now, the angle I like in this game um, is the over. Uh, I gave that out to clients at a better number than what you're going to 
see on the screen when you listen to this podcast, when it's actually published. Yeah. So like literally we were about to start and then Warren went, hold on, there's movement. And the line went from about 46 and a half for the over under the total one from about 46 and a half to about 47 and a half in like the last five minutes. Yeah. And, and, um, and you still think there's value, Yes, but you really liked the over and you really liked the total in this one. Yeah. Uh, you know, just breaking down a couple of the reasons why, um, it's surprising, but Tennessee is the number one red zone offense in the NFL. They are better than any other team out there inside the red zone, and that's factoring in Marcus Mariota being a terrible quarterback for the first six <laughs> weeks of the season. Um, I wasn't ready for that. That was funny. <laughs> um, hawk it up. Get, get rid of that crap. Um, the Raiders are one of the worst red zone defenses in the NFL, so you've got that edge going for you. It actually... They're Tennessee's number one, Oakland's number 32 defensively. Wow. So you've got a big edge for Tennessee there. You also have the fact that over the last, I think, four weeks, Tennessee is the number one most explosive passing offense and the number one most explosive rushing offense. And Oakland ranks uh, number 28 in, sorry, number 31 in explosive passing defense and number 28 in explosive rushing defense. So they're allowing big gainers. Um, Tennessee's banged up in the secondary. They had the sign. They had the sign a new uh, cornerback. I don't know how, the status of the other guys that missed game that game I last know week. Doria, I think may have gone on IR. Uh, if he did, it was today because as of yesterday he wasn't. But um, he, he's he's definitely he was saying Teetering. some crazy stuff. I was reading some of his quotes. I don't know what's wrong with that guy. Well, he was getting banged up in the last few weeks, for sure. He he was saying stuff like, I'm just happy to be alive. Whoa. Like, life's going to take care of itself. I'll get out there whenever I can. Stuff like that. I'm like, I never heard a player like talk about... So you're saying it's maybe worse than questionable this week. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's... The uh, Tyler Lockett thing was like life and death, right? The compartmental right. compartment syndrome—that's scary. I think this guy just has a twisted ankle or something. Something wrong with his ankle. So I don't think it's life or death, but he's definitely being pretty melodramatic about what, he, how he was d- describing his mentality. Um, I'm certainly not going to be one who's going to say uh, he should or shouldn't play no. through anything like that. I, I respect the hell out of all these guys, so that's not what I'm getting at. Um, but the other the other thing you just mentioned it uh, with the game against the Colts last week. Think about this: Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. You're without your number one wide receiver. Ty is out. You're without your number one tight end. Eric Ebron's out. You're without your number one running back. Marlon Mack is out. You were also out. Paris Campbell. You were all, and Jonathan Williams played like nine snaps. Right. So, there. Uh, Jacoby Brissett goes in there. And I think he averaged over eight yards per pass attempt. He's mainly, yeah, he averaged, he puts up 319 yards, eight yards per pass attempt. They have scoring opportunities on five of his first six drives. But freaking Vinatieri can't hit the broadside nope. of a barn and is, is Shankopotamus. And uh, one of them, then later on, of course, they get, he has a kick that's blocked return for a touchdown. Then they fumble the ball on the Titans 13 yard line. If they just, if forget the fumble on the 13, let's say they kick a field goal and make it. And these other three field goals that he missed or got blocked, if they just make that, the Colts without any weapons are putting up 29 on the Titans defense. Mm. Okay. So um, without any weapons. So I think Derek Carr, uh, 
he's going to get back on track here a little bit off. Yeah, this sounds like Derek Carr and Tannehill are both throwing for over 300 in this game. And it's in California, so you're not as worried about the weather like no, all these I've been, other games. I've been, I've been studying the weather. It's very important to be paying close attention to weather, wind speeds, precipitation amounts, all that type of stuff this time of year. So we're going to be in good shape for this one. Uh, one other note, uh, Titans are one of the more public teams getting bet thus far. 66% of the bets are going on the Titans. And something going forward, if we're talking actual football or thinking about the playoff race, Titans' final four opponents have a record of 32-16, and 16, which is toughest in the NFL. But this will be an interesting game. Everyone's ver- riding very high on Ryan Tannehill. Everyone has kind of thrown Derek Carr to the curb. And you know John Gruden's going to be saying, let's be a nightmare and let's ruin their dreams this week. So, uh, But I-, I think the point that you said, sides, I'm not sure. Total, though, there's clearly a side that you like and it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Third biggest EDSR mismatch this week when you factor in weeks one through 14 for the statistics is the Chargers. Chargers taking on Jacksonville. They started off as, I believe, a one-point favorite. It has ballooned up to a three-point favorite uh, for the Chargers over the Jaguars. Jaguars really in free fall. Ever since now, Gardner Minshew is back after Nick Foles uh, is benched, and it's it's insane to me. But this this we're also going to see them popping up in the trending EDSR. What other information do you have in this matchup? Um, you know, to be honest with you, uh, it's very hard to have a to have a side here because the question is: Does Jacksonville quit or not? I mean. You look at their effort defensively. And I, I hate betting on the Chargers. I just want to state that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to touch this thing at all um, either way because this is the type of game, though, where both these teams had aspirations of making something out of their season. Absolutely. I, I think it's like gloves off. Like, I think this is like a bare-knuckle fight. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. You got Phillip Rivers just chucking and ducking, potentially. <laughs> um, Gardner Minshew with the mustaches back out there. Like, He's pretty up and down. He could be on. He could be off. Um, so I think there's a lot here to process. But the way Jacksonville's been playing the last couple of weeks and how their defense has been performing, and they just thought, they just put Miles Jack on IR. Yes, they did. Um, yeah, I wouldn't touch this game at all. This is a game where if you bet one of the sides and they win by 30, you're like, I'm a genius, but it could go either way. I would probably lean Chargers, but I wouldn't touch this game. Yeah, I mean, EDSR, uh, we'll get to trending in a second, but definitely likes the Chargers here. Um, the last biggest mismatch for traditional EDSR, Atlanta is currently minus two versus Carolina. Uh, Cam Newton obviously on the shelf. Ron Rivera gone. Uh, it was minus one and a half. It's gone up to two. And the public loves the Falcons here. 67% of bets thus far are on the Falcons. Before we talk about this game, the fact that the new owner came out, Dave Tepper, and in part of his little interview with a team reporter said that they're really going to start embracing analytics and they're really going to start embracing new age football. And Ron Rivera was a guy that was vehemently old school. I don't really want to talk about that. I gamble when I want to gamble. 
Um, and Dave Tepper comes from a background of the Pittsburgh Steelers and, and a very proud organization. When you hear that, how much hope does that give you for this franchise moving into the future? Because I saw the analytics community online really going, hey, guys, this will be good for the Panthers in the long run. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, uh, it's 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 simple. It's uh, what is it? I don't want to say evolution. I don't know if that's the right word, but this is just the path that we're on trying to like stand there and resist the wave. The tide is coming like and, and, and trying to, you know, prevent uh analytics from seeping into your team and helping you make decisions. That's all analytics are. It's understanding numbers better, help you make more informed and educated decisions, how to optimize the decisions that you make. And um, it's not something to be scared of. So I like the fact that he's trying to incorporate a little bit old school, a little bit new school. Um, I think it could be a pretty good balance. The key is uh, with any of the analytics ventures, you have to have the coach buy into it. Right. So I feel like he's going to find a coach who would buy into it. It would really make no sense. But what coach is going to go into an interview these days and be like, I don't like numbers? Like, who's going to do that other well, than, like, John Fox? Well, that, it's, it's funny you say that because that's one of the things that I'm kind of— uh, well, I don't want to say anything about it right now, but we're, we're going to get some of the coaches— speaking the language that they ought to speak during some of these interviews. So they... Are they going to call you for prep? Nice. I love when I can see it. Um, The other coaching things, Perry Fuel is going to be taking over for the Carolina Panthers. And I don't know how they're doing this, but Scott Turner now is like calling the plays, it Mm -hmm. seems like. And they've moved North to like an advisor, which is like... Uh, if you're going to be replaced by anybody, your son is probably the guy you'd want to be replaced by. I think by. that's the only reason Norv has wanted to come back and do this to after Minnesota. To ensure the nepotism of his son. Well, I mean, Sorry. look, you're right in that yeah. sense. But in the other sense, like, I'm, I put myself in his shoes or, or like my dad. Right. With what my dad tried to do with me. You know, my dad was in the construction industry. And when I was... Uh, uh, a kid in high school during the summer, uh, I would go work in their office. Like sure. he was, he was one of three founders of this company, and I would go help out, do various different things. And the whole goal of that company, well, obviously, was to make money for the families, right? That's the provide. Um, but the secondary objective was to build up a nice business, and then eventually, like the kids might be interested in taking over. No doubt. Um, now, I decided I didn't want to do that, right? And I pursued other uh, ideas. But, you know, I think there's there's a lot of negativity around, like, the the thought of nepotism. But if there is a deserving person who has earned their stripes, who's put in work, and David Tepper, I listened to his quotes about Scott, and it's encouraging. Yeah, he's he like— said, Scott's got some really good ideas. I want to see what he can do. This is like a trial for him. I want to say I watched the full Dave Tepper interview, and I came away going, this is not reactionary. This is well thought out. I thought he answered everything right. I thought he gave respect to Ron Rivera, Mm -hmm. like in a really strong and passionate way. I can tell usually right away if an owner is one of these pretend owners that just likes to like— go to the parties and hang out, or if they really want to build something, 
I knew that Dave Tepper was serious after the All or Nothing on Amazon when he said, as soon as this season is done, I'm building a bubble because I'm tired of you guys not being able to practice. It'll be up. And they're like, well, it could be delays. He goes, there will not be any delays. It will be ready by the season. Dave Tepper is a really, really good owner. I, I could just tell already with what he's doing in Carolina. And I was worried because if you remember when he got hired, there was a story about him having brass balls on his desk. Do you remember that story? I don't remember that now. I'll find it later. We'll, t- we'll laugh no, about it. No, I, I 100% agree. And I'm sure that, like, I'm curious how different Scott's play calling will be from Norv's. And maybe we get a taste of it this weekend. It's a challenge because I looked at their schedule. And, you know, Atlanta's that weird defense, right, where they switched everything around. We're kicking ass for a couple of weeks. And then... Last week, you know, the floodgates opened and they allowed a bunch of points to yeah. the New Orleans Saints. Um, there was so, a, a fumble return for a touchdown and all that stuff, but true, yeah. And and Carolina's schedule over the next couple of weeks is pretty difficult in terms of the defenses that they're going to be going up against. So he's got uh, Scott's got his work cut out for him. Um, but look, if if he's the one thing I'll say about the job the Turners did in Carolina is it exceeded my expectations. With their ability to work with Cam and get him into that system integrated, passing the ball efficiently. Accepting uh, checkdowns. Accepting checkdowns, throwing the ball to the running back when, I mean, the, the... He didn't do that for, like, his entire career. The whole, like, narrative from, like, so many different people are, you know, well, if it's a running quarterback, he's not going to throw to the running back. He's just going to run the ball. Mm. You know, and they got him to throw the ball to the running back. And... um it was a very efficient offense and uh, looked a lot different from the offenses in prior years. So uh, they've had injuries they've had to deal with. Yep. Cam's been getting injured. He's the key focal point. I mean, that style of offense is going to be much different from another quarterback that you stick in there. And they really didn't have like a season backup. It's not like they had Derek Anderson no. around who they could just stick in there. Oh, you know the playbook. You've you, every. They're getting young guys who don't have any experience in the league really to come in and play undrafted guys uh so i've been impressed so in this matchup uh just to kind of do it briefly this is a matchup where i think carolina got embarrassed a few weeks ago this is when atlanta turned their tide after the bye you have a new coach in there how do you approach a game like this or is this a little bit like what we were just talking about with with chargers jacksonville where you're like there's a lot of things going on and it's too much for me to handle right now typically when there is a coaching change, um, it provides value because a lot of times it's a coach that wasn't performing. Players were fed up with the guy. Maybe he only was there for a couple of years. Time for somebody new. Ah, like, you know, picture picture uh, Shawshank Redemption where he's standing out there in the rain. And yeah. Just, okay. <laughs> That's what a lot of players are like after they're a coach they don't really love right. gets let go. But in this case, like everybody's coming out, how much they love Ron Rivera. So the organization is obviously heading in a new direction. I think it would be important to try to impress the decision makers. But are those decision makers even going to be there next year? Like you don't really even know. So um, there's more question marks on this coaching change than there are sometimes. Gotcha. Yeah, he's beloved. I mean, people coming out and saying they're depressed that he's leaving, like Cam. Um, I don't know if they use the word depressed. Okay, I, I was going to say. 
But he, he did say it was like it would be in some distraught. foreign language. It would be in that foreign language, you know, with the oh, different little C, big R with a slash through two, it. Two dots over letters and yeah. slashes through everything. All right, let's go to trending EDSR, and this is four weeks, correct? Yes. Okay. Four weeks. Uh, the number one EDSR mismatch in trending. What do you know? The Chargers over the Jaguars, the game that we've already said we're probably going to stay away from. Uh, the number one trending EDSR mismatch last week was the Eagles over the Dolphins. Maybe this could be a new trend for us, betting against that. Just uh, kidding. We're going to stay away. Number two trending EDSR mismatch, you have a note next to it because, again, we don't know what we're getting with the Colts. It is the Colts over the Buccaneers, and that's an underdog. Buccaneers favored by three, I believe. Is that still the line? Yes. So we have an EDSR mismatch. Now, I'm not sure about Marlon Mack. We're still waiting to see. Is Tyreek, is um, T.Y. Uh, Hilton already out? I think he said he doesn't even know if he's coming back this year. So I would wow. assume that, they, that he's out, but and I don't know. We know Ebron's out. And Ebron's out for sure. Now, he's on IR. Paris Campbell is back. And I saw Evan Silva was tweeting that every time Paris Campbell comes back, they feed that guy. So if you're playing Daily Fantasy or he's probably on waivers for a lot of you guys, I saw week four and week nine, he came back and he got like nine targets in each of those games. Remember, he was a high pick for them. He's a super fast guy, and they really don't have that many other guys. And if there's a team to feed against, it is likely the secondary of the Tampa Bay Bucks. I know that all those injuries are scaring you. And I know that you've kind of been on the Bucks for a lot of games this year, mm-hmm. but when trending gives you a an underdog, wh- what do you see in this mismatch? Um, a lot of questions. A, a lot of questions. I think Tampa Bay is still playing hard. The Colts, I don't think Frank Reich's going to let these guys not give a full effort here. Uh, they're just undermanned. You know, they they just don't have the same um, horses. It's it's crazy if you think about what the Colts were to start the year. I mean, even even Andrew Luck, but you know, Funchess and Ty and 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 Paris and uh, Ebron and Marla Mack and all the like all these horses, and and now they're just down to like uh, who is the guy caught like uh, Pascal? Yes, you know, Pascal's in lead, number one wide receiver for him. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't really have a tough gotcha. uh, a, a preconceived uh, direction that I'd be looking in this one. If anything, I'd probably lean to uh, riding with the EDSR, but um, it's it's tough. It's like a motivational type spot. You got to figure it out. Figure out from a handicapping perspective the motivation. And of with the with Colts. Indy, you don't know who the kicker is going to be, and that's been I just. Think, I think though, I don't think it's going to be Vinatieri. No. It, it's, it's going to be doubtful, that new guy. and I'm hoping it's an excuse to just get him out of there. An interesting stat about kicks this year that Ingber found: there have been 210 missed kicks thus far through 13 weeks, the most by far. Second most was back in 1992, 187. So that's 23 more already. Then it was 2002, 2001, 1991. What do you think about all these missed kicks? Um, Other than it's really frustrating because it's fucked up a lot of overs for us this year. Yeah, that's very frustrating. Um, I've I've given some head coaches my strategies on uh, on kickers. Oh, I would love to hear this. 
if you would like to share with us? Um, yeah, uh, look, kickers obviously play an important role. They decide get a touchdown plus each game. I mean, you're assuming a couple field goals, extra points, etc. That's seven to nine points each game. It seems like a lot of these guys, they lose confidence and then they're just done. And I think that position more than any other, even a quarterback, even a quarterback, when you get to the NFL level, there's just like so much pressure because you're staying out there by yourself. By yourself, you're making or missing it. Whereas a, a quarterback, he's thrown to a receiver. Right. He ran the right route. He didn't. You can blame this guy. You can blame that guy. Oh, he dropped it. All these different excuses. A kicker, as long as the laces aren't pointed at you, you're expected to make that kick. And when these guys don't, it's a problem. And uh, so I would be heavily invested in sports psychology for all of my kickers um, and different techniques. Like throughout the week type of stuff. Th- throughout the week, in the off season, um, I know there's restrictions on the amount of practices, right, from the CBA. So I would be having my kickers have setups at their house where they can just practice themselves. Um, I'd be doing other things that are integrating them into the team a little bit more because yeah, they really isolate them. They they really feel separate from the team, and and they're doing their own things and their own drills. And the coach doesn't want to waste time with them because I got limited time that I can practice with my other guys. So you guys just dick around over here yeah. with the punters, and and so I'd be doing other things to try to get them. They're, they're just I have I a would, lot of I would uh, ev- in their area. I would replay clips of their best kicks on loop, like them making kicks. Because you're right, it is interesting, like the psyche of, and it's... How many guys that are really good, really good kickers, like uh, like you could go Vanderjack, you can go uh, the, the, um, uh, Vinatieri, you can go up in uh, New England. Uh, what Gostkowski. was Gostowski. All these guys, so money. And then they miss a couple, and then it's just like they can never get back on track, and you have to like cycle them out of there. Except for your uh, doppelganger, Justin Tucker. Tucker is he? He's I think he does a lot himself too of 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 psychology. Well, it's funny work. because when they like to joke that he's the opera singer, mm-hmm. and what is more scary than standing in front of people and singing? Oh, and isn't he, that like the number one fear of all humans? And not that's my fear, but. But I, I think it's either like public speaking or public singing is like probably one. yeah yeah probably you're right. He says he's he's more scared. He's come out and said that like he's it's more nerve wracking for him to sing in front of an audience right. than it is to kick the f- extra point. I saw there point. was a lot of after he kicked a 49 yarder to win in the rain when Robbie Gold couldn't even reach the end zone. Oh, what was that? Uh, it was Robbie Gold his current status. Oh my god, that but was terrible. There, I saw a lot of the analytics community really showing how far above replacement Justin Tucker has been. That his baseline of expectation is the ceiling of the number two most reliable kicker in the NFL. And it's it really is such an incredible weapon. And to think of the evolution of the Raiders over the last five years, where with Flacco, it was, we need to win 17 to 12, but it's not 17 with a touchdown, it's five field goals and a safety. Justin Tucker went from, I'm going to carry this team, to now he's this secret weapon on an offense that's one of the most efficient offenses we've seen in the 80 years of the NFL. And it's, it, it's fun that it didn't all go to waste. 
because I think for a long time it was like, well, Tucker's the only reason this team is seven and nine or eight and eight. And now he is the cherry on top to this offense. It's been cool to watch it all evolve. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny because Tucker is the best by far, but there's still random missed kicks that he has that I remember because it cost me games. He had the missed extra missed point, the extra against, point the against the Saints. Uh, he had one this year. This year, both of those cost me bets. So I remember that type of crap, um, and that's that's unfortunately like that's what employers remember too about right. like their employees. Like you could be a great employee, you could be doing like your job ninety five percent of the time. You have one mistake, like at your review, even the next year, right. they're always going to remember that random thing that you did that that just like pissed them off. This and sounds like this happened to you. It, it happens to everyone, okay. I think. I don't make mistakes. All right, so the third uh, trending EDSR mismatch is an interesting one. We're going to dive deeper into it in a little bit. Rams over the Seahawks. It started off, Seahawks were favored by two and a half on the road. And then I don't know if it's because the Sharps just said, what the hell are you doing? It's now been bet to a pick em. Should we wait for this and yes. get into it later? We'll get into that later. But just so you know, trending EDSR has the Rams there. A little interesting. Tuck that away in your little cummerbund. Uh, number four trending EDSR mismatch, the Jets over the Dolphins. It started off as the Jets were favored by seven and a half, and now it is down to five and a half. I see right now at the win, it's at five. I assume this is because of the Miami Dolphins and everyone's getting very excited and the Jets fell all over themselves and lost to the 0-11 Bengals. Uh, do you have any insight on this one that you'd like to spotlight? Um. Not at this time. I mean, that game against the Bengals last week, there was a lot of offensive mistakes for the Jets. I didn't really get to watch that game. There was there was penalties that brought back big gains. Um, they were just, it was just really, really bad. And um, I think this is what the Jets put up 34 in three straight, exactly 34 points in three straight games before that one. And then threw up six. And then threw up six. So... Um, I think they'll be able to get back on track a little bit here. Uh, the, it's the, hard to want to go against, obviously, the early money was was riding with the beard, Fitzpatrick. Um, it's hard to go against him right now when he's just nothing to lose, like a complete mountain man just psychotically playing the game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at some point, the Jets have the better overall team. Yes. More complete roster, 53. Uh, they're they're spending all week getting this is a revenge game. and reve- and they have already Gase. lost down there yeah. in Miami. Yeah, uh, and then also Miami, their win of the year over the Dolphins uh, with a trick play that has been in the A block of every Sports Center I've watched this week. And yeah, like I would I would want to go Jets here. I don't feel comfortable laying five the, and a half. Yeah, but you know. I'm probably not doing anything with this side. Okay. Good to know. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to text Sam and say, hey, I don't know. Would I get in trouble for that? If I texted a player and said, hey, I just bet on you guys to win by five, would I get in trouble for that? Uh, Because we saw Josh Shaw from the Cardinals was betting on games. No, that's different. He he had to sign a, uh, he had to sign a, a policy, NFL gambling policy which prohibits him from doing that. 
Gotcha. You you don't work for the NFL. You haven't had to sign that. So I would never do that because I think that would like. I don't want to get in trouble, and it's like not worth my time. No, it's yeah. I've talked to you about this before. I think it was with Mahomes. You know, you you you're a celeb, so you got like all these guys in your Rolodex. <laughs> I mean, you could like, you, you, but you don't want to you don't want to talk to him about that because no. then you're like, these guys will never talk to me again. They th- they don't want to be involved with somebody who's trying to screw around with that. Well, yeah. Plus it's like, I don't know. No. I mean, I want to, cause I think it'd be funny, but I don't. Uh, no, Darnold's got enough problems, man. I mean, we got to just keep this guy clear of mono to, until the season's over. That's what I was wondering. Would you make out with somebody that public, like very publicly had mono weeks before? I, I have no idea what the life cycle is of mono, but I hate any type of sicknesses. So, yeah, I'd be I'd be worried about it. All right, let's. I don't know what the fuck we're talking about. Let's get into the biggest games of the week. The first one I think is going to be an absolutely phenomenal game for one o'clock. Uh, so much on the line. The Niners after the Seahawks win and they fall to the Ravens in what was supposed to be the game of the year. They go from having a bye and the two seed down to being a wild card and the five seed taking on the Saints and Drew Brees who very quietly are making a run at the number one seed. And as I said before, I believe whoever gets the number one seed in the NFC is winning it all or is going to the Super Bowl because I think that the home field advantages in the NFC are that big. Right now for this game, most of the public money is going on the Niners at 68%. Just some other information. It started off as Saints favor by three. It's been bet down to two and a half. Total went from 45 down to 44. I just want to make sure, is that still the same? Uh, it's 40, 44 and a half, and so it's starting to bounce up. Um, Saints are 5-1 and one at home this season. Niners, 5-1 and one on the road. Saints, they're 5-1 and one at home, but they're 3-3 three and three against the spread. Niners, 4-2 and two against the spread. This is what I thought's interesting. Niners are allowing 15.3 points per game, but on the road, they're doing better. They're only allowing 14.3 points per game, and this is a good little nugget from Ingber. Drew Brees against the number one overall defense heading into the matchup, which the Niners are, is 6-1 lifetime with a 124 passer rating in those games. So every time the matchup, him against the number one defense, he's 6-1, 124 passer rating. That is some common knowledge that can be found. I turn it over to you for the in-depth, sharp analysis. Well, first... You talked about home field advantage, and we've talked about that on our show. Right. Okay. That it's not actually that important. I think New it Orleans, is the playoffs. New though. Orleans has a big home field edge. Yes. Okay. So New Orleans does. But let me go down this list. When you have two winning this season, this season, and we talked about how home field has changed, it's, it's, different even this season so like yeah you could look at the last like five years but even like the last couple of years it's starting to change this year when you have two teams that have winning records after week four okay so they've gone through the first four games and they're above 500 not at but above 500 as long as that road dog is not off of a bye which we know that causes some problems um and they're catching seven or less points 11 and 3 against the spread 
And this is one San Francisco versus Baltimore this very last weekend. San Francisco covers Buffalo, Dallas on Thanksgiving in Dallas. Buffalo won the game outright. Dallas in New England. Dallas was catching six and a half up in New England. Dallas covers that game. Colts over Houston a couple weeks ago when Seattle beat San Francisco in overtime. That was one. They were catching six and a half there. When Minnesota went into Dallas and beat Dallas, when Baltimore and Lamar go into Seattle and beat Seattle. All of those, those are just a few of the examples in the last few weeks um, that... You know, when you start factoring in, and these are some places that have decent home field advantages, right? New England, they're outstanding. Yes. Baltimore has a really good home field advantage. Seattle has a good home field advantage. And and yet you still get these teams covering those games. So when I'm looking at this one, I'm trying to factor out, you're going to, if I think San Francisco is the better team, which I do, and you're going to give me three points... I'm going to take that three points. And there's a lot to talk about here, but just look at who's been tested most recently, right? I mean, it's not even close. Green Bay and Baltimore the last two weeks for San Francisco. San Francisco, they also played the Packers. They played the Seahawks. Yeah, yeah, you said Green Bay. So they also played the Seahawks like two weeks ago. So three out of the last four games, they got the Ravens, Packers, and Seahawks. Every single one of those teams, first place in their division, nine and three record or better. Who have the Saints played? They played the three and nine Falcons twice, and the, the five and seven Panthers, and the five and seven Bucks. All in division. They won those game only one of those games by more than one score. They four of those games they won one by more than one score. Um, I think they're going to have a challenge against this defense. I don't think they've played a defense like this. Um, I really think that this is going to be a game where. Kyle Shanahan, he used to coach against Sean Payton. He used to coach against Dennis Allen Yeah. In, when Dennis was the D.C. He's still the D.C. for the yeah. Saints. The last two times that Kyle coached against him, you know what they did? Oh, tell me. 42, no, 37 points per game is my guess. They put up 45 and 38. Wow. Now that so it was like 42. Y- yeah. Very, wow, that was a complete guess. Very good guess. That was when the... F- Falcons were like this blitzkrieg offense, though. I mean, they had 38 points entering the fourth quarter in each of those games. The San Francisco team is not like that at all, right? Totally different. But one thing that's interesting when you look at, you know, San Francisco and, you know, kind of like the struggles that they've had with different players coming in and out of the lineup, then you get a healthy roster this week. I think Staley's coming back. He's Breed finally is healthy. coming back. Breed is coming back. You're not playing in the rain. Do you know? Do you know? Okay. I do not. I'm just going to tell you in advance. I don't. They ran the ball on freaking 90. It's either 90 or 95% of their first downs in the entire game last week. Okay. That sounds crazy. 19 rushing attempts, only two passes on first down. How the hell does Baltimore not like figure that out? Right. But they were still having success doing that, and that's because of the rain. Here it's a dome. Kyle's going to be able to open the whole offense up, call whatever types of plays he wants to. Um, I, I think I think he's good. there's just a lot of edges. I was watching that game on Thanksgiving in the evening. Atlanta didn't have any of their receivers. They didn't have their tight end. 
and 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 freaking Eli Apple looked like he had no clue. All these pass interference penalties, all, committing them all over the all over all over the freaking place. And now you're telling me that you're going to have like play action and you're going to have actual real NFL receivers running down the field and he's going to be able to deal with that. And Kiko Alonso and AJ Klein are questionable and they're facing George Kittle. And 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 Burita and these other guys out of the backfield, Tevin Coleman catching balls. So that's where those middle linebackers are covering. Sounds like you're leaning Saints. Just kidding. So I, I right. think it's going to be a great game. I don't think it's going to be as lopsided as I'm indicating. Yeah. Um, Drew Brees and Sean Payton definitely get up for this, but you you know uh, that San Francisco did not go home this week. Oh, I love that. I, I love it too. Some people are like, oh, they messed up their travel schedule. They went down to Tampa Bay. I'm like, you know what? Before a big game, see, last week they didn't need that game last week against the Ravens. They obviously were trying to win. Right. This game in division, when you can get a victory and give the Saints the loss, yes, yeah, yeah. sorry, in conference, massive for home field, everything like that. This is the game, and now you're telling me that they stayed out on the East Coast, didn't have to fly all the way back and forth, rested up, buddied up, team chemistry. I love it when guys hang around and don't go get distracted by their families, right? Like, I love my family, but when I need to work, it's better not to have distractions. Yeah. You know, just honest to God truth. And these guys need to be focused, leave their families back in, you know, San Francisco. We're out here in Tampa working all week. Gaining that camaraderie, I, I really like that element of it. That is clearly the one you're probably hottest on. We'll go quickly through the other ones. Mm-hmm. Ravens, Bills. Ravens favored by five and a half in Buffalo. It started at five. It got up to five and a half. Bills are just three and three against the spread at home. Overall, the Bills, though, eight and three and one against the spread for the season. Ravens having an incredible year, but six and six against the spread. Ravens are averaging nearly 40 points per game on the road. Bills are averaging 19.8 points per game at home. And the Bills total has gone under in four of the last seven games. A little surprising seeing a number like six for the Ravens on the road here. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, from a pure numbers perspective, you're not getting any value betting Baltimore right no. now. No value at all. You're going to have to lay a premium in order to take Baltimore. And so that's why they set the line um, as they did. By the way, that 8-3-1 and one for the Bills is the best spread record of any team in the NFL this year. Okay. Both of these teams are going to have advantages when they try to run the football. Um, it's it's one of the biggest weaknesses of Buffalo is their run defense. They really haven't been tested all that much. They've played the third easiest schedule of opposing rushing offenses. Baltimore is the number one. They do it in a very unique way. I've heard a lot of the discussion that um, it's going to be easy for Baltimore, though, defensively to prepare for Allen, Josh Allen, because they're used to dealing with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen scrambles a little bit too. That's one of the reasons from what I'm hearing that they were so well prepared to deal with Deshaun Watson, right? Because Deshaun wants to run around a little bit, but these guys knew how to seal him in and keep him in, confined in the pocket. Um, so that's something that, you, you know, it works for both teams, right? Because both have sort of mobile quarterbacks and both defenses have been preparing a little bit. I'm interested to see what Sean McDermott does with the extra time to prepare. I'm interested to see uh, what Brian Dable does with the extra time to prepare. We've talked about it. We were the first to really mention this publicly about how they've basically switched in the first three quarters, at least nothing but 11 personnel 
And hurry up. So hurry up. Get to the line of scrimmage quickly. They're running at a tempo that's as fast as what the Rams were doing. Dayball's up in the press box. Not the press box, but the coaching box. Calling in audibles to Allen. Before that, 15 second, the clock get, the play clock gets to 15. He's helping them get them into the right play. It's, it's, it's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to watching it. As of this point in time, you need to be aware that there is a little bit of wind Ooh. in the forecast. Um, it's, from what I'm seeing, about 16 to 17 miles per hour, but the gusts are like 34 to 35 miles per hour. So with that guaranteed, they're going to do the exact same thing they did two weeks ago when it was Buffalo, uh, Buffalo hosting Denver. They're going to show the shot of the stadium with the flag, whipping in the wind, and everybody's going to be like, holy crap. And so we're probably going to get a little, my guess is we're probably going to get a little bit more late under money on this one, closer to kickoff. I've done nothing on this game as of yet. Uh, one just little statistic here. The Ravens blitz, blitz the most in the NFL, 48% of dropbacks, and Josh Allen uh, has a 109 passer rating against the Blitz since week five with seven touchdowns, no interceptions. It'll be a good game. It's going to be a great game. One last thing, it's not a nugget, but an interesting factoid that I plan to work on in the offseason is I'm really intrigued with sim pressure. So I'm going to be studying that like a lot more. fake pressure drawback? Yeah. Simulated uh, pressure coming from different areas, drop those guys back into coverage. I really think that and we're getting off topic, but this will be Are you going to tell me that sim pressure is the equivalent of play-action passing? I knew it. Pre-snap motion. But yes, oh, okay, okay. because it's before the snap happens, and it really is the only thing that a defense can do to try to regain that upper hand. You know, you're on a seesaw, right? And the offenses are getting all the benefits their way, right? The scale is so far in their favor. They can motion guys, and that throws off the defense. They can do a play action. You think it's a run, but it's actually a pass. Yeah, and, yeah. The, and the rules are already in screen, their favor. You can do a draw, yeah. And, and, and so you're, it's a loaded deck, right? Like, it's already in their favor, and then they can add all these other things to it. The only thing a defense really could do, it's so reactionary, is sim pressure before the snap. Get that offense to be like, oh, shit, we got to cover this guy, you know, motion is and then and then the defense doesn't actually come and if it looks like a blitz but it's actually not a blitz and actually all the receivers are covered but the quarterback now thinks he has to roll this way or the line thinks they have to block this way it's one of the coolest things that i think uh i'm really looking forward to studying more often this offseason awesome chiefs patriots speaking about a team that used a lot of sim pressure against a great young quarterback last season that's what Belichick did against Mahomes. In this game, Patriots favored by three. Is that still the line? Yeah. Patriots are 5-0 and at home, but just 3-2 and against the spread in their last five, or in the five games this year. Chiefs are 5-1 and on the road and 4-2 and against the spread. Chiefs average just under 30 points per game on the road. Patriots, I can't believe I'm saying this, are averaging 19.8 points per game at home, and they're allowing 19.4 points per game at home. Patriots have not covered three of the last four. Chiefs have covered three of the last four. If the Chiefs win, it will be the first time that three quarterbacks under the age of 25 have beaten the Patriots since the year 2000 before freaking Tom Brady. Mm. And again, the Patriots play the most man coverage in the NFL, but we saw last week when they think they need to switch to zone, against the Texans, and I think the Chiefs have just as many weapons, they will play zone as well. Where do you, where do you want to start here? 
I want to start with something that we were first on again, um, and that was the the Chiefs. Uh, sorry, the Patriots defense. Um, everybody was talking about these guys. Historic. Historic. That's exactly the words they were using. Uh, best ever, number one overall of all time, all this other type of stuff. And and what did we say on the show? Like there was even a clip that BR tweeted out, pump the brakes on these guys because they've played an easy, easy schedule. And they're about to play some teams that have good offenses. And guess what? They played Baltimore and got lit up like a firework on the 4th of July. They played the Houston Texans and Houston was, out of sorts. Houston was like abusing those yep. guys, moving up and down the field on them. And they played Philly and Dallas, but both those games were in inclement weather, so we really didn't get to see. If, if you could have called up to the heavens and, 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 and Bill Belichick and Ernie Adams are up there creating their weather machine, it's <laughs> like, oh crap, we're about to play Dallas. Let's get the... F- Let's get the typhoon in here. Let, let's dial up, you know, the the swirling winds, the sideways rain. Like, it was ridiculous, and that was perfect because they only won that game thirteen to nine, right? If the, you don't have that weather, I'm very confident that Dallas might actually beat them uh, in Foxborough uh, with the way that they're that the Patriots' defense is handling these opposing offenses. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm 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 concerned about. The Patriots' defense, I don't think they're as good as their forecast. The good part here is they got a lot of experience with Andy Reid, with Patrick Mahomes, right. from how much, how, and the way that they played them early in the season versus in the playoffs, night and day different in terms of how, you know, the, that game ended up going over the total, but it wasn't as easy for Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. No, there was a lot of screens and running back dump offs that kind of take away Kelsey. And, well, they invented the strategy to face Mahomes, which is you double-team Tyreek Hill anywhere he goes. With your number two. With your number two, and you put your number one on Kelsey. But really what it was is they played a lot of zero coverage. Zero coverage man-to-man. That's what Patricia did to Mahomes this season also, and that's when Mahomes had to come out and go, we need to figure out a way to beat this. So now he gets this test again. Yeah. So I think it's going to be fascinating. I know that there are some sharp guys. I think they're going to be on the Patriots because it looks like a cheap price. The public's on the the Chiefs. Um, pay, how often do the Patriots lose at home? How often do the Patriots lose after a, a prior loss? Um, all those different trends and angles. Um, it's going to be fascinating because I think one of the one of the things that the that is most underrated about this game is just how good the Chiefs secondary is playing oh. right now. So it's going to come down to whether or not the Patriots can actually run the football. And, you know, say what you want. Sony Michelle has not looked the same running from 11 personnel as he was when he was running behind a fullback. And they've lost two fullbacks to IR. They're not running any 21 personnel. It's it's all 11 personnel. And that's why I don't understand, you know, who, who am I to question them, but I would be going up-tempo the entire freaking time. They, they have 11 personnel. They're using majority 11 personnel. 
why go slow? It's not helping you at all. And I remember later in the game, Brady was like screaming at his team. Teammates. That was early in the game. That was after the, the second, second drive. No, it was like after the second drive, he came back and gave that dissertation. And my that's my curiosity. Everyone says it's easier to go and hurry up when you have three wide receivers on the field. But if it's a rookie, a guy that doesn't really play, like maybe they just don't know the plays that well enough for them to go up tempo. I would see... That is a good excuse, and I would think that that would be the case for um, thirty-one other teams. Bill, Bill O'Brien's team, yeah. you know, for example. But who is better prepares his players than Bill Belichick? And it would just be shocking. But who to also me. is worse at drafting wide receivers than Bill Belichick? I'm being fucking serious. Like he's never really hit. Julian Edelman was undrafted. But see that to me, Chad Jackson. To, like the kill Harry ain't doing shit, and and that's why they're going out and getting Randy Moss yes. and those types of guys in free agency. All their best receivers, Chris Hogan was from the Bills. Yeah, he's good at like Wes Welker. It's his weak from the spot. Dolphins. Yes, Wes Welker was like I could not believe that he freaking Belichick cut Wes Welker. Man, that was. Anyways, what I, what I would think though that anything that you can do to get a slight edge over those, if if you don't think your wide receivers are all that great. Then why don't you use more no huddle? You call call on the play with a hand signal, whatever, and that because that's what these guys do in college right. all the time. I still put think the they're defense, signing Antonio put, Brown. Put the secondary on their heels a little bit. Why take longer? It's not. So I just wish they would speed things up a little bit. But this game's going to be great for me. It, it's going to be either a Sammy Watkins or a Meikle Hardman game because when you play mm-hmm. the Patriots, just pretend your number one guy is gone. Who beat the Patriots last week? Kenny Stills. It wasn't. DeAndre Hopkins had a few catches that were very big, but it was Stills that had the big one. This is like a Miko Harmon or a Sammy Watkins. You beat Belichick if you have a good three and a four. Number one and two is and, Kelsey and, and Hill. And LaShawn. This, this, you can run on the Patriots so a little Westbrook bit. Westbrook said this on Monday that he believes that they're saving LaShawn for the playoffs. He played for Andy Reid, he mm-hmm. played with LaShawn McCoy. I believe he knows something. But that they're kind because of, if you well, look at a Chiefs game, game. LaShawn McCoy is like they play him a little bit in the first quarter, and then it's like Damian Williams, Darrell Williams, and then uh, now the rookie um, that I drafted in fantasy and he didn't play and I dropped him and now he's really good. Uh, Darrell Williams is now in the IR. What's his name? He's got a good name. Shit. All right, mm-hmm. I'm going to look it up. Let's move on to the other game, though Seahawks Rams as we wrap up. Uh, this was the game that was the. Third biggest mismatch in trending EDSR, uh, and it actually had the Rams. Again, Seahawks open at two and a half. It is now a pick 'em. The total went from 47 to 47 and a half. Rams at home, three and three, and three and three against the spread. Seahawks on the road, six and oh, five and one against the spread. Rams are actually scoring less at home. They, go, they drop more than three points per game, and they're allowing almost four points per game more. It's weird. No home well, field I'll advantage for the Rams. I'll tell you why in a second. Rams have hit the under in eight of their 12 games this season, including four of their last five. The only reason it's not five for five is because the Ravens hit the over by themselves in that game. Seahawks are allowing much less on the road. It drops from 24 to 19, and the Seahawks are 4-0 against the spread in their last four games. Games. Let me hear why. Jared Goff plays better at home. He's got splits like in his career. It's pretty evident at this point in time. Look at the defenses that he's played at home so far this okay. year. 
Darwin Thompson, by the mm. way, is the guy I forgot. Okay. Number seven, Saints. Number nine, Bucks. Number two, 49ers. Number eight, Bears. Number four, Ravens. Wow. He's played nothing but top 10 defenses at home. Which explains That's why very good context. Which explains why they aren't putting up as many points. Which is why his home road splits don't look as evident this season. And now season. here come in the overrated uh, Seahawks defense that he lit up in Seattle a few weeks ago. Yeah. So um, I I likened. I don't know if you like this uh, this reference. Okay, but I likened the Rams to this like fighting analogy. Okay. They, they aren't anymore the pound-for-pound pound offensive champ of the NFL. No. Right? They're, they're, they're not that. They've been reduced to a neighborhood bully, okay, who is capable of beating up on the inferior kids. Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. Any crappy defenses, right, that you throw their way, they can put up points on them. I mean, Cincinnati, they're putting up 24, 37 on the Atlanta Falcons, 30 on the Carolina Panthers. Right. They, they can steal these guys' lunch money, right? They can beat them up. They can make themselves feel good. But the thing about them is they're a southpaw. And they can also go up against this good fighter who doesn't know how to fight southpaws. And that's what the matchup is against the Seattle Seahawks defense. Because Sean McVay knows how to play the Seattle defense. He really does. They score a boatload of points every time that they play Seattle. If you look at the uh, the points, the last four games, uh, where the hell is it here? 42, 36, 33, and 29. Right. They should have had 32 if their kicker doesn't miss a field goal, and they would have won that game um, when they met earlier. So I look at it as... They're going to enter this game with a lot of confidence, with a lot of swagger. They got back on track last week. They got their receivers back on board. Jared Goff was on pace to beat Norm Van Brocklin's all-time passing yards in a game record. They pulled him in the fourth quarter. Mm, I did not know that. Like He was on pace to throw for like 600 yards last week. Really? Robert Woods almost had 200 yards in the first Yeah, that Cardinals defense was just a disaster. Garbage. But um, at any rate, so... I think it's going to be interesting for for that offense and how they're going to match up. On the other side of the ball, like I don't think people realize what Tyler Lockett has been dealing with. Um, so right, because I saw like the fantasy community is like he the last three games. I think he has forty five yards. Maybe he's got four catches in the last three games. Wow! So he goes up against the number one pass defense on the road. He gets injured. This is San Francisco. He was in the hospital for like two nights, two or three nights with this uh, compartmental compartmental something syndrome in his leg, a big bruise that could be like life-threatening at times. Um, He was limited in every single practice leading up to the last two games. Now, he comes back from that game um, and he was limited and he played outdoors in the wind in Philadelphia. Right. Limited, you know, his first game back. Russ was off the whole game. Di- didn't do anything in that game. It was windy, not a good game. And then they play the Vikings. But guess what? He didn't even practice Friday. He's dealing with the flu. Right. So he's limited from the leg and he's dealing with the flu. He practiced in full, not even listed on the injury report on Wednesday. So I think you get Lockett. You get DK Metcalf. DK played them, obviously, week five, but 
he's a baby at that point. Like rookies, yeah. Now you're in week fourteen. Yeah. I mean, you, it's you, year two. You you feel like an old man at this point. Like it's old hat. Where whereas before you're, you know, you just got on your training pants and you're trying not to make a mess in there um, when you're in week five. But now he's he's almost ready for his depends. Right. Nice. He's such an old man. And then they, of course, got Josh Gordon, who wasn't there previously. So I really think that um, my biggest concern for this game, so the, to be the honest over, with the, you. The total right now is 47. Yeah, there's been some sharp money that's bet the under here. Um, okay. Now, my biggest concern is that in that prior game, Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll ran the ball on like 64% of their plays. And those run plays gained like 3.9 yards per carry. And freaking Russ was averaging like 10 yards per pass attempt. And they're still running like 65% of the time. I, I don't know what to do about that. Like, <laughs> it's frustrating. Like, I want to I wanna be able to insert myself in some capacity to just increase that. And maybe that will happen in the future. But uh, for this game, it'll be interesting. The, the, the Rams have a good defense, but they haven't played a good passing offense like what Seattle has for a little while so you gotta you lean in any way in that one i think the i think it's pretty surprising that the rams aren't catching more points here so or, or aren't laying more points i th- i think it's cheap to take the rams at pick them right now i really do um, yeah, i'm curious to see if it crosses the number it is it's it started to this morning there's a couple of the sharper books are at one wow favoring the rams I and, see that. And I think that's... What's C-R-I-S? Chris. What's that? Bet Chris. It's just an offshore sports book in Costa Rica. Oh, gotcha. So they're a sharp book? Yes. Yeah, they're they're a sharp book. Yep. Them and Pinnacle, I won't mention the other ones. We can't give away too many nuggets here, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they, it's starting to move in that direction. I think it's going to continue that way. All right. Let's call Crack. I'm just going to ask Crack for what he wants and what he thinks. But also, while we call him, can't believe the Eagles get to play Eli Manning. This is either going to be the greatest Monday night of my life or the worst Monday night of my you, life. You know, like uh, a couple other guys are coming back for the game, too. Like Evan Ingram is coming back. I think uh, that, Golden Tate's coming the back. The fact that Eli Manning is 116 and 116. Hey, crack, we're talking about Eli Manning and how if the Eagles lose to him, I might just bury myself in a hole and never talk again. Like an ostrich. Oh, my God. Yeah, this is, this is, <laughs> I agree. After last week, God, again, these, uh, well, I'm not actually talking about Philly, though, but yeah, you know, the Giants are, uh, Dimes is, uh, is definitely out, right? He's done? Yeah, he's, well, I don't know if he's on, done. Not, maybe not for the full season, but definitely out this week. Right. But but okay, if cool. Eli regains because he's he's five hundred for his career, one sixteen and one sixteen. If he gets a win against the Eagles and then never plays again, and so he finishes career with a winning record because of us, that would cripple me. Oh, I want oh I want because if he goes if he retires with a losing record, oh, I mean his his Hall of Fame like debate gets so much more difficult. I, I don't know about yeah. that. You think so? I think the fact that you can say he doesn't even have, he has a losing record. You're right. They would carry say so that. much more weight, they even w- though it's one fucking game. Yeah, they would say that hopefully, and, and who knows, maybe in like five years when he's eligible, we'll forget how that losing record came about. Um, but yeah, I would be surprised if that's the that's the straw that breaks his back yeah, from I getting know. in. But. And he's a big winner making 200 plus million in his, in his career, though. It's amazing. 
all the money these guys make having a losing record. You're like you're saying, oh, my God. I know. The only people that I know that make that much money are the subscribers of SharpFootballAnalysis.com and the Crack Wins right. app. Available right. in app stores now. Crack, uh, we'll, we're going to keep this tight. Is there a game, a side, or a total that you've already put in, you've already circled, or you already like that you'd like to share with the 33%? You know, it's funny. I just bet New England here. I'm at the South Point. I've seen it moving offshore, minus three, minus a quarter at some of the sharper shops. And still at the South Point here, it's three, because South Point doesn't use the juice. They just go three or three and a half. So I bet 2,000 on New England, uh, minus the three here, thinking that, you know, that last week was a very disappointing game, of course. This New England KC could be the game of the week. I, I like the Patriots to rebound a little bit here, but usually I don't even bet too much on sides. That's actually a big bet on an NFL side where it would be a uh, medium-sized bet or a smaller, even a smaller bet on a college basketball game. So um, I'll have them in the contest, and and I uh, I just bet some money on, on that game. I think that's uh, everyone's talking bad about New England. They're phonies. They're fakes. And, you know, just that, that miracle combination of Belichick and Brady, so you got to remember who, who we're talking about here. So Let me, please. Game. Oh, yeah, keep going, keep going. Uh, well, Buffalo and Baltimore was there. Everyone, I don't know, and I haven't talked to Warren about this at all. I don't know anyone I'm trying to find someone that that has that's sharp that likes Baltimore. Everyone likes Buffalo this week. It's the game of the week. Everyone's talking about. And seventy-five uh, you know, percent of the public, seventy-five percent of the public right now is on Baltimore. Okay, so that, that's good to know. That's good yeah. to know because uh, Buffalo is. This is a giant game for Buffalo. Uh, you know, playing the, the best team in football, Baltimore. Uh, it's just so I think, funny. Like I said, all the Sharps are on Buffalo, and, and I think it's uh, – maybe Baltimore's due for a letdown. This could be the letdown week. I love it. Please tell me you had Ohio State against North Carolina on uh, Wednesday night. Actually, all the Sharp guys – yeah, the, the Sharp guys a, 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 absolutely were on that side. That's very good. That, that, that's uh, – yeah, good good stuff. Let me get on to one more game before okay. we get off here because this is – it's important for me to talk about this team. Uh, again, Warren and I have not talked about this. Uh, Miami Dolphins. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm not talking about Miami first or the Jets losing to Cincinnati, but Miami Dolphins have been doing so much better, it seems like, than the beginning of the season. And they've been covering games. They're beating. They beat uh, two different teams now as a double-digit underdog this year. As a 14-point underdog, they beat the Colts. Now, last week, uh, they go in and they they were I think they were ten and a half point yep. underdogs versus the Eagles last week, and um, you know I, I need the Eagles to win the division, so that really bothers Same. me. I, I can't take take this. Uh, it just I, we got I got a lot of money on this bet, so kind of really I, I don't know. I, I'm rooting against Dallas tonight. Uh, yes. I, I just don't know if the Eagles has what it takes to win the division. But anyway, um, after last week's game, but I, I'm going to stick with Miami again here. Listen, we all thought the Jets were going to be a different team after they beat Dallas. They won. They rolled off a couple wins. I think Jacksonville, they won some games. I just, after losing to the Bengals last week, what could be the uh, talk in the locker room of losing to the, the, the Bengals? And I just, I, I, if I see this, this line opened up at six, and there are sixes out here in Vegas, Stations, Coast, I'm looking at some sixes. Cantor, Scott. Yep. I, I, I think that Miami is going to be in a contest pick of mine, and I may even bet them. So Crack is loving the AFC East, New England, Buffalo, and Miami. Of course, the Jets playing Miami. Crack, you are the yes. man, dude. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Thanks, guys. Great holiday. Happy holiday to both of you guys. Happy holiday season. And uh, I'm headed to New York myself tomorrow. Ooh, hit me up if you got free time. 
I will. Thanks, All guys. Right. All, All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Take Again, care. Crack. Uh, check out the Crack Wins app. I love when he says things like, I haven't talked to Warren yet, because then I look at Warren, and Warren's like, don't say anything that's going give to give away any of our value. It's good. Did he give away anything? No, no. Okay. It's it's Because he and I do talk about a bunch of things. I mean, we talk about games a couple days before I'm, I'm going to take them. We're going to take them. Um, just getting prepared, trying to figure out the right time. I mean, market timing is very important. The funniest thing for me about NFL betting, and we're going to end right here, and we can start the music in like 15 seconds, is that the smartest bettors are betting with the casinos. And so when the entire public's going Baltimore, everyone in Vegas, not just the casinos, but the, the groups and the conglomerates, they're going Buffalo. And it's, it's funny that it, it, it just goes to the statement, the public is usually wrong. And you, and you want to be on the side of the casinos. You don't like the casinos. You want to beat the casinos, but you also kind of want to be on their side. I just think it's funny. More often than not, that's what's going to bring home the bacon. That's why they have those statues and the pools and bottle service and all that. Warren, feel better. Enjoy the games. Let me hear this. Uh, any final message for the 33%? We got some great games this weekend, so uh, hope hope your wagers go well. Yeah, and because uh, these games are going to be fun, you don't want to ruin your Sunday right. by losing money watching great games. So well, let's 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 win these guys. Comb through the uh, the podcast, find some nuggets. L E F K O E man for Warren Sharp, Ingber with the statistics, Mark and everybody back there in the booth with the audio. Appreciate you guys, homies. Enjoy the games. We'll holler at you next week. <laughs>